This is Self Startup. Hi folks, welcome to Self Startup, a podcast that highlights small business owners, the self-employed and freelancers who have taken the plunge to create their own desirable lifestyle. My name is Andy Dowling. I'm also the host of the Andy Social Podcast. I play bass in the Australian metal band Lord, and I'm a dispute resolution specialist. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook by following at Andy Dowling, or you can go to selfstarter.com.au where you can learn more about yours truly and anything and everything to do with the self-employment world. Now, this week's episode is with FICO Health, and in particular, FICO Food Co. We talk seaweed science. So FICO Health's founder, Pia Winberg, is a marine ecologist who's based in the Shoalhaven, and she's created this business in the hope of the Western world, and in particular Australia, finally catch up with the East when it comes to seaweed farming, which from my understanding is already a $6 billion industry. So hopefully we can catch up soon. Uh, the health benefits of seaweed in our diet and in varying applications are quite tremendous, and it's still an unknown when it comes to the general public. So as a result, Pia's pushing a food range, which includes muesli, pasta, corn chips, herbs and spices into the market in the hope that more Australians warm to the concept of including more seaweed in their diet. This is a really, really interesting story and really cool where uh, it's a clash of two worlds between science and business. And with Pia's background being in science, um, she certainly had her challenges as she's had to learn on her feet going through her business journey and trying to build um, what she's created. The business itself is located in the old paper mill in Bomaderry, and it's utilizing local resources, in particular local marine farming, to help build the business, support the local industry, and create more awareness of seaweed science. So as always, all links and resources we speak about will be found over at selfstarter.com.au. And if you want to listen to the full unedited episode with Pia, you'll be able to hear it over at my other podcast, being the Andy Social Podcast in episode 122. So head over to andysocial.net and hopefully by the time you listen to this episode, the full episode will also be up for you to hear. And if you haven't heard the uh, Andy Social Podcast by now, then this could be a great introduction. So go over to andysocial.net and check out episode 122 for the full unedited episode with Pia. Now, there are great takeaways from this chat, as always, and in true self-starter fashion, I'll touch on all of them at the end of this episode. But for now, please enjoy this great chat with Pia Winberg of FICO Health and FICO Food Co. Well, Pia, thank you so much for inviting me to this um, weird and wonderful place that I kind of didn't, well, I knew it existed, but didn't really know it existed considering I went to the wrong place to begin with. But uh, thanks for having me. No worries. Um, I guess before we kick right into it, do you want to give a brief introduction of who you are and yeah. what the business is as a whole? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a marine ecologist. That's my background. And um, originally from Stockholm, yeah. Sweden, but moved to the region just 20 years ago now yeah. um, and uh, live in the Shoalhaven, but Molly Mukwai, um and was very aware of that conflict between marine ecology and conservation that was happening in the region and the history of the fishing industry here mm. and so people are losing jobs from that industry um, and I'm trying to protect the marine environment so there's got to be a middle ground solution instead of just conflict mm. and then I brought with me the ideas of um, seaweed farming which was about um, improving the sustainability of aquaculture and being a seafood town and a seafood region, um, that that should be something that we could do here. So that's the journey I'm on. Okay, so I'm trying to think of where to start with this. There's so many different <laughs> things. But I, mean, I went on your website and had a look and 
it's this clash between, and I mentioned this before we started recording, your background mm. in this science background mm. now clashing with the business world and trying mm. to make a sustainable business but also having all the benefits of the, for the environment and the industry and whatnot. But yeah. um, there's so many products that mm. you're creating mm. out of seaweed. Yeah. And I think in theory if you talk to the everyday person, they'll understand seaweed and they'll probably understand some benefits maybe of mm. seaweed, I guess for the environment, environment more so than anything else. But I think there's probably still a lot of stigma around seaweed products Yeah. unless you eat some sushi and every, every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. So... I looked at this and I was even I was amazed and I went, wow, there's so many different things, not mm. just from a food, like adult, uh, adult human food, mm. but like also for agriculture, mm. um, skin, digestion, mm. all these different things. So what was, mm. did you start with one product and then sort of went, oh, there's actually more opportunities here or do you already have an idea of where you're going to go? Uh, well, no, seaweed's like a, there's a platform of opportunity. It's a new, I'd say, you call it then biomass or crop um, that's just really unexplored in the West. If you look globally, seaweed is a $6 billion global crop. That's a B as well, B. billion. Yes, <laughs> it's it's uh, farmed. Most of it is farmed, so they're seaweed farms. Most of them are based at sea. Um, and most of it's happening throughout Asia. And when, even though it's big now, it's just grown, it's exploded in, in the second half of the last century. Um, it was only really started in the 1940s by a, um, well, it was a, a female scientist in, in, um, in Britain, who um, Kathleen Drew Baker, who uh, unlocked the sex life of nori. So yeah. nori, nori seaweeds that we have around our sushi oh, rolls right. have yep. a really complicated um, life history. Wow. There's three sort of different stages of their sexual reproduction, three different kinds of organisms to deal with. Um, and she unlocked how that works. And that's what the Japanese jumped onto and established the first nori farms back in the 1940s. Um, and they actually have a national day, the Kathleen Drew Baker Day in Japan, <laughs> celebrating this British scientist who, well. who started the industry for them. Um, and, uh, and so that, of course, we now have that throughout our, our supermarkets. Mm. So that's really skyrocketed. But it was the first seaweed crop. Um, and that's 1940. So it's not even a century old. Mm. But it's really skyrocketed. And now Japan uh, China, Japan grows that. China has taken on growing kelp yep. to to um, supplement the whole population for iodine deficiency. Iodine is one of the biggest causes of iodine deficiency is one of the biggest causes of brain damage in the world. Um, and seaweed is a way to get it. Seaweed's very rich in it. Wow. So they grow that for iodine. But not only that, they now grow that for alginate, which is now a global commodity. And further red seaweeds have started to be grown in the Philippines and Indonesia um, to extract carrageen, which you might know is from Irish moss and cough lozenges okay, and yeah. things. Um, and each of these three different seaweeds have very different properties. It's like saying potatoes, blueberries and capsicum, you know, very different things wow. and um, different benefits and, and there's different applications. So the alginates... Um, and the gelling properties are used in, um, like carrageens, used in um, foods. And if you look on a salad dressing and it says E407, that's a seaweed extract that used to stop the herbs sinking to the bottom of your salad dressing um, in, a, in a commercial um, wow. product. So there's also those types of gels in fire hydrants. Most of the paint on our walls has those seaweed molecules in them. Printer ink in your printers, fire hydrants. Um, so it's really seaweed as a as a crop and a biomass is a commodity that 
there's so many opportunities. It grows in salt water. It's very sustainable, grows very fast. And Australia's just not doing it. Did you have any prior experience with like running a small business or have, have any business background or did you have to find other people and lean on other people to like, I don't know, mentors mm. or anything like that just to try and, mm. you've got all this knowledge, mm. but how do you translate that or how do you get it over that hurdle into another, a larger platform where it's more accessible and understandable by the general public? Yeah, so it is a challenge to um, to take a, an academic um, way of thinking and um yeah, put your money where your mouth is and yeah. try and get to market and do something with it is very different. And I do now have a range of good advisors. We were yeah. actually housed at um, iAccelerate, which is sort of an incubator for startups for our um, food brand. And, and there's a lot of independent advisors there. The challenge has been that we've had a lot of interest in to invest in the company, but the advice you get in those instances and in how to create and start the company, it's from the investors investing. And so mm. it's not, it's not, impartial in yeah. advice so um, you learn that the hard way by just doing it so I'd always say you know what if people have got an idea and it, it falls outside their core skills but they're bringing a certain set of core skills well just start doing it you'll find out where you're hitting the walls do you need someone else to come in and help you on that front or can you use your logical mind and and overcome and solve it and it's a bit of a balance you've got to do a lot in a startup that is, you know, get your accounting systems mm. up to speed. I never needed an accountant before I started a business. And now I, you know, know my cloud-based accounting systems and have a reliable accountant. But um, in those things you learn and can take on. But um, And as you scale, you've got to start bringing other people in that can take over those jobs for you. But it's a slow process. And I always start small and take the little steps rather than taking some giant leap and, and having all these chasms that you've got to get over. Mm. Especially if you if you had the concept in mind, you thought, okay, we've got to, we've got to do something about this knowledge that we've, we've got. Mm. And you've probably got this pie in the sky vision of where you would love it to go. But mm. then thinking from where I am now to that point yeah. is so vast and it's, and I can't even see where the steps are to be mm. able to scale it right back and go, what do I need to do today, yeah. this week, this yeah. month? Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that's where I think a lot of people just stop mm. on an idea and they don't do anything because they're too busy worried about the, yeah. the vision of where they want it to be, but they can't work out how the hell to get from where they are now to that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's a challenge every day. So, yeah, we, we do have the long-term strategies of yeah. where do we want to be in five years mm. and what, how big are we thinking and where do we want to be in a year? And what does that mean I have to get done by next week? Yeah, what, and yeah. then in the morning you wake up, well, which thing on the list do I get done today? And um, and that's just a, a challenge and a discipline. And you've got to just not be, learn to not be um, discouraged or disheartened when you're not getting through your list and um, you're, you're changing. And that's something I've learned in the startup world is um, startup is about um, trying something and pivoting, knowing that three things you're going to try, one at some are not going to work mm. and then you just go oh that didn't work right pivot means we go this direction instead so it's about um learning to failure it's not failure it's actually testing didn't work try that way and move forward especially from an academic background as well mm. that that ties straight into it that that, lo that logical way of thinking where you yeah. go you, you test something it's either a true result or yeah. a negative result and then you based mm -hmm. off that you move into another direction yeah. so it, so you've got the food element mm. and you've also got skincare yeah and uh supplements, digest, supplements yeah. as well yeah and then i mean even just you've got three different potential industries there mm. that are just huge amounts of opportunity and potential in in all of them so yeah is that is that a stage two i know you've started 
producing products in those mm. categories, but are they more stage two, stage three type things that you're looking at and foods being the initial focus? Yeah, we, we used to really separate the supplements and the skin from the food, thinking that they are different. We're talking to a different consumer and we've got a different brand. But then we just started looking at it and the kinds of um, foods that are in like your whole food stores in the USA, yep. which has now been bought by um, Amazon, Amazon yeah. and, and is now totally mainstream. So, you yep. know, I was in, was in the US just last month in, in Reno, of all places in Nevada, and there's a whole food store and everyone's eating bucket loads of kale and seaweed. <laughs> like, and there, are, there are some food fads, but there's also some, some food um, realities about, you know, real benefits for people's health in the future. Um, and, um, yeah, that, 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 um, that kind of store actually does have food, skin products and supplements next to each other on the mm. shelf. And we realised, yeah, because the skin creams we're making are made from all natural ingredients, sandalwood, aloe veras and, and our seaweed extracts. And people are now talking about, you know, eating the skin cream on your skin or, yeah. or um, um, you know, putting your food on your skin. So yeah, there's yeah. both ways. And, and the supplements are really around um, not being a medicine but saying if you really aren't getting enough dietary fiber through the food, then you can top it up with a capsule that's concentrated the dietary yep. fibers. So it's really a part of the food. It's an extension of that. And so we now are marketing those three categories alongside each other under the one brand. And the other the skin creams, we're actually doing research to medical grade level where we're, we're able to show that the seaweed extract um, blocks enzymes that would break down collagen and things like that. We're looking at... Um, making artificial skin tissue with the University of Wollongong to look at um, healing wound burns because wow. the seaweed skin cells, human skin cells, um, uh, identify and, and um, especially this Australian green seaweed that we're working with, distinct from the big international um, gels that they're producing, uh, human skin cells love our seaweed extract attached to it and grow all over it so you can create new skin tissue. Um, wow. And with the digestive capsule extracts, We've done two clinical studies where we look at shifting the gut flora, uh, refeeding the gut. Yep. People have heard of probiotics and the yogurts and things where you're eating the bacteria you need. But unless you're actually feeding them to those bacteria in your gut, they're passing through. So this is called prebiotic, the seaweed extract, in that it feeds bacteria that you may already have yep. and, and builds up that populations that need that, that complex dietary fiber um, to uh, yeah, to, to have a good ecosystem in your gut. So we've done two clinical studies on that and shown we've reduced inflammation and cholesterol. And some people with inflammatory conditions are actually indicating that they see a benefit in things like psoriasis as well. So we're really going to expand on the clinical work behind that. Mm. Possibilities are endless. It's yeah. incredible. So would you or are you thinking about, because obviously there's a, there's an end consumer opportunity mm. where your everyday person is able to buy these products and get value out of them. But are you looking like from a business to business opportunity where you're providing products to, you know, the medical world or mm. different businesses that can then provide 
use that as a tool for their own services as well? It's like a, yeah. That's obviously a massive opportunity there. Yeah, it is. So we've, we've gone all the way to a food brand ourselves because we realise nobody gets it. So we've got to create this brand that yeah. shows people what we're talking about. Um, and that's taking traction. But as we scale, of course, our ingredients and the molecules we make will have applications for other companies and mm. their products. And, you know, the medical side, especially the, you know, tissue healing and, you know, one day you're looking at, you know, maybe printing someone's ear with 3D. Yeah. We're actually printing our seaweed extracts at the Uni of Wollongong um, into structures, scaffolds that cells can grow onto and into. And it's the early stages and, you know, you've got to put get vascular tissue into that and start things growing. But we're already finding that with our seaweed gels, they're actually taking a big leap forward in providing the structure that and the, and the molecules that cells need to start growing onto. It's all been about, you know, we can print cells, but the problem's been, yeah, but the cells have to have a structure around them. Mm. It's like us. We're yeah. not just a lump of cells. Yeah. We actually have um, connective tissue as much or more than our cells, and mm. we need to have that to, to structure our bodies, and that's what the seaweeds are actually doing, providing a structure for human cells that mimics our own connective tissue. It's, it's, it's knowing all these secrets and then mm. finding a way to translate it to everybody else and go, look, these are the possibilities, but then yeah. turning it into a product and a service and something for, for somebody else. Mm. Um, yeah, it's incredible. Mm. It's, it's just mind-blowing that there's this the potential value that and things that most people would never be aware of, mm. um, not just from you know, a nutritional point of view, but for everyday, everyday health and even in extreme circumstances, as you said, with like, you know, burns and things like that, it mm. can, be a, can be a great benefit. Yeah, no, huge benefits. And, and you want to tackle all of those challenges tomorrow, but you also know that it's, it's uh, certain things are going to have to be a long-term um, yeah. journey. And, and, but, there's, but you can't let that stop you. And, you know, we were looking in the beginning as, at all these medical materials, but then you go, hey, it's a 10-year trajectory of trials and working things out. But the human food and the nutrition and selling someone corn chips, I can do that tomorrow. Mm. And that, that's the first step we need to take, and, and that can make a big difference. And so obviously that will make a big difference with, you know, the end consumer in the short term and they're going to get value out of it and enjoy it. And that's going to help with, you know, the, the, the population's uh, nutrition. Mm. But I'm assuming that the money that's being built off that and the business being built will then fund the bigger scale operations and the bigger visions that you've got for the, for the business. I mean, we walked around this area and looking at what you've created already, I mean, that's impressive. And you, and you mentioned that you've, you've raised about a million dollars so far. Mm. And just giving me a hint of where you want to go mm. and what you need to do. I mean, it just, I mean, obviously you've had to start somewhere and you've got to this point now, but I look yeah. at this point now and go, oh my God, like I, I, for myself, I'd never be able to get to this. I don't know how the hell you'd even pull any of this off, mm. but it's incredible. And, and I think, as you said before, one of your big challenges at the moment is you're at this stage, but now how do you scale up? How do you get to that next, next level? Yeah. And that's where you've got to stop and take stock and say, okay, we've actually achieved what we wanted to prove in that we can grow the seaweed, we can make these extracts and we can make food products that the market wants. And we've got a whole range of products for the future as well. So now we need to look at um, reinvesting with some serious investors that can really help you take it to a proper scale, um, uh, but also grow 
and selling as much as you can of the products that you're making to reinvest in the growth of the business, mm. as you said. And so understanding those balances and being a scientist, you come into the world of business and startups and you don't didn't realize that there's actually sort of different clear stages they identify there's are you on your a funding round raise or your b round and it's like what's a and b funding <laughs> rounds like this is the jargon of silos yeah. and you and you have to come in as a scientist with an idea and talk to this you know big audience of investors and business people who sort of bamboozle you with their jargon um, and over time you you learn okay where are we um, and and just through talking and presenting it to people without expecting an outcome, that's one of the most important things is just go out there and talk to businessmen, present your idea. I mean, I've had investors or business advisors say to me, because I was maybe too geeky talk, <laughs> and they've said, you're boring me, and shut the door. <laughs> you're like, right, that didn't work, so maybe I'll try it a different way next time. And yeah, not to be disheartened by that, but just keep going. What what was it that didn't work? What did I say that they didn't understand? And and then take the next step towards growing it. But just last month, I was very lucky indeed to um, get to go up to a venture capital um, company, so a company that invests lots of money, um, founded by Al Gore in oh, wow. San Francisco and, and his partner. Um, and I got to go up there and speak to the co-founding partner about what we're doing and they loved what we're doing. They, they invest in renewable energy because they see that making change is around investing in businesses that will make the change. Yep. Um, but of course, renewable energy being solar and wind farms, they're the sort of starting pla platform for their venture capital funds, $30 million. And we're like, well, I'm, I'm not ready to accept $30 million <laughs> in the company right now. And, and then you realize, okay, I'm at this stage of growth. So what mm. I need now is investors that invest at this amount. And I need to think about getting the structure of the company right. So because as it grows, we're not, I'm not talking here about a cozy little cottage seaweed industry which would be wonderful but it's not going to save it's not going to make an impact in yep. the sustainability or the nutritional um, um, objectives that we've got so it actually you know the the big solutions to the big problems they have to be they have to be big and and we have to think big but take the small steps to get there do you think that being a little bit naive and not understanding how a lot mm. of that works is has been a bit of an advantage at mm. certain times because you probably stepped into, mm. as you said, some of those situations where you probably shouldn't be. Mm. And if you had that knowledge, you go, oh, I'd never do that. Mm. But sometimes you might find that there's new opportunities or you learn a lot quicker because you don't have that hesitation because yeah. you don't know. So yeah. you can go in there and, um, for lack of a better term, you can, you can sort of play the dumb card and go, I don't understand mm. and this is my idea, what do you think? And then you might get shot down but you learn a lot quicker than absolutely. Yeah, you haven't got that hesitation. Yeah, no, you've just got to go in there and be prepared to take the falls and get up yeah. again and that's something you just in your head, you just go, yep, it's going to be tough days but you just got to <laughs> pick yourself up and, and reflection and looking back has been really important because like you said, I, I get up every day and I'm going, oh, this isn't working or that's not working but then you stand up and you look at, the pilot factory we've got or yeah. the seaweed farm we've got and the carbon we're capturing and the and you just go wow that's pretty unique in the world and and then that just goes okay we're we're on the journey I'll I'll get over this next little hurdle and and you do have to um, reflect on that a lot to yeah. to move forward um, and on the advice like you get a lot of conflicting advice you get different advice and you've got to sort through your head what's making sense what's not making sense mm. 
and make a decision. You're not umming and ahhing for too long going, I, I don't know the answer. You have to make a decision and, and try it. Yeah. Um, and and um, that's that's the way forward. Two steps forward, one step back that's right. kind of thing. You're going to learn quicker yeah. and, and grow quicker. Even if it is a, an initial mistake, you can recover a lot quicker than just yeah. sitting back and waiting for the perfect moment mm. uh, that makes enough sense for you to make that next step. You can go, look, there's enough there that yeah. I can take that risk and, and give it a shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you look at things, I say like, wow, the iPhone 1 wasn't very perfect. The <laughs> iPhone 8, you know, is is a lot better. But they didn't wait for the iPhone 8 to yeah. come out. They start and, and they, you realise, well, that's that's progress. You yeah. you know, what we look like today is built on what people tried 100 years ago. And, you know, you we're, we're always standing on the shoulders of everyone who's gone before us and and taking the journey further. Mm. And the good thing is that when you do get to that high level where you really sort of, you've got to the point where you, what, what you've been aiming towards, most people forget where you've come from anyway. You'll mm. remember, and yeah. that's good for reflection and, and rewarding yourself. But mm. most people won't remember the, the first few stumbles and the rough rough patches because no. they're, they're focused on what you've become. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, you do get that. Like people look, looking at you like, you know, you've, you've just blossomed overnight and you're going, well, it's 20 years ago I started <laughs> looking at seaweed and, the, I, and I didn't wake up suddenly going, I'm going to be a seaweed farmer. You know, that sort of thing's evolved over, over 20 years and just keeping your eye out. It's what's the challenge, what's the opportunity and what needs to be done yeah. um, because there, there's so much that just needs to be done and what do you know that can contribute to overcoming it and, yeah. and having a go is, is really important. You know, Australians say and talk about having a go but, you know, a lot of people are still a bit too hesitant to just put their neck out there and really have a go mm. um, because there's a lot of shooting down in Australia yeah. but, um, but I think, well, we just... Yeah, got to let that wash off and, and keep going. I don't think there's a great deal to lose. <laughs> I think some people think there's a lot, but I think in the grand scheme of things, there's not not, not much to lose. No. You can always recover. <laughs> so the last thing, and we'll try not to get down too much of a rabbit hole with this, but I think just given the area and all the episodes that I've had on so far have all been Shoalhaven businesses. Mm. And so we spoke a little bit about uh, about this before, but you've got benefits being in this area because of the type of work that you're doing mm. and it's coastal area and obviously you know the the product is in the area so that helps um your i guess your perspective i mean are there challenges being in this area as well from i guess stigma um being a little bit away from you know more densely built up areas um because i i see a lot of opportunities in the area and i see a lot of things that aren't being done um you know, what, what's your sort of take on it or how, what have your been what have your experiences been sort mm -hmm. of working in this area? Yeah, well, we've lived in the Shoalhaven now for 20 years and having come from Stockholm or lived in Sydney for, you know, in city life for most of our lives, we moved down here going, wow, this is, we looked, we sat in Stockholm and looked on the, the earth as a globe and said, where do we want to live? And we'd experienced the South Coast and, and just went, wow that's where we want to live. And yeah. we thought, wow, we're going to have to be challenged in terms of getting work. But um, when when you've got such a, um, an asset as a great lifestyle place, mm. um, and we're not too far away from Sydney, so we're you not. can't blame the regional remoteness of, of it all. Um, we've got a whole set of opportunities that Sydney just doesn't have. And it's about, well, one, bringing in people that have, have expertise, but we can also build up the expertise of the people here to start developing um, the opportunities. And you wouldn't grow seaweed in Sydney Harbour. You no. wouldn't want to eat it. No. 
they seaweed mops up metals and pollution and then you ended up with a seaweed that doesn't work mm. and so we've actually created a network down here called blue biotech shoalhaven because we can actually harness the sun and the clean coastal water with beautiful national park catchments and it has a history of forestry fishing and farming it's a bio industry region it's not a heavy industry region um, We've started this blue biotech network to say, well, we can capture things from the ocean and the coastal, clean coastal environment, and we can process it and we can put it into a skincare cream in Nowra. So we're catching the sun and putting it in a bottle in a 10 kilometer radius. And you could not do that in Sydney. No. You wouldn't want to do that in Sydney. Yep. Um, and so it's not just our seaweed, but there's an oyster industry with opportunities to grow here. Um, there's, there's still fishing that can be promoted and integrated into this thinking of blue economy and, mm. and clean coastal environments. And we've got a massive restaurant trade that's fantastic chefs on the south coast that are willing to put those sorts of new products into their foods. And there's even other industries here like... Um, you know, I'm thinking the Defence Force, the, the, the Maori battalion in World War II went to war with nori because that was their traditional <laughs> food. They're picking the nori and sending soldiers to battle with nori. And I'm like, well, the Defence Force is down the road. I'm sure they're a bit constipated. I can get some seaweed <laughs> into their diet. So there's all of these sorts of things that you can um, start to see are opportunities that are here not opportunities in Sydney. Do you think a lot of it's just people taking the time just to stop and think about things? I think, mm. you know, we're always just stuck in our rut doing the same thing over and over again. And I think when you sort of take a little bit of extra time to stop and just look around, it's like brainstorming when you're sitting with a couple of people and you're talking mm. and you're bouncing ideas backwards and forwards. Where you start and where, you're in, where, you, where you end up mm. are two, two vastly different places. And, I mean, I... I've lived in Queensland and lived in Sydney before coming down here and I had a different perspective and I could see some of the things that were spoken about in the area and the hot topics, but it was always always about what was not here mm. and the lack of something rather than mm. the possibilities. Yeah. And so for me, I just, I thought, oh, this is like, for me, I love it because it it is a, for me, a bit of a sanctuary away from the densely built up areas and you've got that great, balance of life down here mm. and for me with the internet definitely helps you know i can work from home um and i just think you know there's a population down here as well and so you can you have an advantage in some ways because of your skill set and your background but regardless of that i think if people just stopped and just had a look around and and thought what are, what, what do people need you know what are the different businesses that are in the area and what do they need so even from whether it be the end customer or the B to B opportunities. Mm. There's just so much, so much down here. Oh, there's massive opportunity, and I think maybe um, some of the problem is that it's too nice and people don't leave, so they don't get the perspective that they need to have <laughs> to go. Oh, wow, it really is nice, and and what the opportunities are. And I think I've had the benefit of being able to live in Sweden and Stockholm, yep. which is you know a great society, but it's mighty cold. You don't have mm. to deal with that here. I've done research in third world countries like Sri Lanka and then you go, wow, well, I've got nothing to complain about. Yeah. That's Those things are really important eye-openers because I think you do then come back and understand what the opportunities are, what mm. what the massive um, you know um, resources and support we have to actually 
do something. Yeah. It is still a land of opportunity. Um, and also what you don't want to end up like, because mm. you go and see many places and you go, wow, we, we actually can't take this peaceful oasis for granted. Yeah. We actually have to work hard at maintaining it in a state as it grows that we can, we like, because yeah. um, some of the countries, some of the society systems that you see, it's like we're not immune to that. And, mm. and if you look at the population on planet Earth living like this, we're a minority yeah. in a big way. And Absolutely. so how do you, what do you do um, in your everyday life in working towards trying to maintain and achieve um, what is a great society and, and keep it moving in that direction? Don't take it for granted. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is a great way to end it off. I'll put links and everything in the show notes and on the website. But um, thank you so much. And I have no idea. I mean, you've got you've got an idea, but I have no idea where this where this business of yours is going to go. But it looks so exciting, and just to learn more about um, the various shades of, of what this is all about is is really really interesting. So um, yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you. No problem. Thanks, everyone. If you enjoyed that chat with Pia and you want to learn more about seaweed science, you can go to phycohealth.com, which is P-H-Y-C-O health.com. And you can also search for Fico Food Co. on Facebook as well. As always, those links and everything we discussed in this chat will be in the show notes over at selfstarter.com.au. So nice and easy, all in the one spot for your convenience. Now, as mentioned at the beginning of this episode, in true self-starter fashion, I have four key takeaways that I got out of this chat. If there's something that I missed or something that you got out of this that I don't highlight, uh, I'd love to hear from you. So please contact me via selfstarter.com.au or any of the social media platforms. And also, before I kick in, um, and as mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if you want to listen to the full version of this episode with Pia, you can go to andysocial.net and check out episode, and I believe it's 122 with Pia, and I've aired the entire episode over there. I was that fascinated with this chat with Pia, and I loved it so much that I figured I'll put it on the other podcast as well. So if you haven't heard the Andy Social podcast just yet, that could be a great introduction for you. So andysocial.net is the place to find the full episode with Pia. Now, four key takeaways from this chat, and I'll jump into them straight away. So the first one was embracing failures and learning to pivot. Pia certainly came across a number of challenges along the way as she's tried to get investors on board to help grow and build her business. And she's been rejected many, many times. So most people, um, and me included, would probably really reconsider whether we are doing the right thing and even contemplate throwing in the towel. But Pia certainly hasn't done that and she's continued to learn from those experiences, take on feedback um, from people and criticism and grow and build her business and learn to pivot at critical moments as well, especially at particular times where she feels that she may be going in the wrong direction and getting some critical feedback from a potential investor may help her steer in the right direction. So Failures are always a bad thing in the sense that it makes us feel bad, but if we can remove the emotion from it and take the factual information from it and learn from those experiences, it actually helps us learn a lot quicker. Second takeaway from this chat with Pia was not understanding can actually be an advantage. So going in without a complete understanding of what you're doing can actually become an advantage where being naive can push through situations um, where others that would normally have that knowledge may hesitate in actually following through with. So it's that ignorance is bliss mentality. Um, and sometimes just diving in there and learning as you go can actually give you an advantage over people that may feel that they already know everything and as a result are quite hesitant in taking those first few steps. The third takeaway is traveling. 
living abroad to get perspective. So, you know, finding appreciation for what you have and what you can bring back to your community. And, and the internet's fantastic and it's opening up the world to everybody. But traveling is a great way to find ideas and bring them home. And it's also to identify what you want to preserve in your area as well, especially, you know, Pia's story about, you know, living in a coastal area. You want to preserve what we've got and learning from other people and from unlikely places can certainly help bring back new perspective. If we stay in our one spot and we never move and we never uh, feel the need to, to venture off and talk to different people from all walks of life, then it's a lot harder to grow and to become more open-minded and find new ideas as well. And the last takeaway, number four, everyone's a winner. Sometimes your passions can be at the direct detriment of others. Finding compromise and brainstorming ways to find common ground in conflicts can be powerful in not only reducing friction in your own journey, but also creating opportunities for wider buy-in and business success. Peer's passion for marine conservation can be seen potentially, as an attack on the local fishing industry. So Pia's mission and hope is to find outcomes that can protect the marine environment and also the local industry by identifying more sustainable ways of farming in our oceans. So finding compromise, finding common ground is really, really important and not just being headstrong and uh, worrying about yourself. If you can get buy-in from other people around you, you're going to find success a hell of a lot quicker. So as always, everything can be found over at sellstarter.com.au. No doubt there'll be a bunch of blogs that will come off those key takeaways as well. And if there was something that you got out of this episode that I haven't highlighted, I would absolutely love to hear from you. Now, before we wrap it up, I'd love for you guys to leave a review on iTunes or anywhere on the internet uh, where you're listening to this podcast. Share this uh, podcast around this episode and any of the blogs on the Self Starter website as well. I'd love more people to learn about the self-employment journey and build a bigger audience to hopefully provide more and more to you all. But until the next fortnight, keep reading the blogs, keep passing the episodes around. I really appreciate the support and I'll be looking forward to speaking to you all soon. Thanks. Thanks.